Woke up quick at about noon. Thank you so much for downloading the latest episode of the podcast with Damian Barling here on the Be Heard podcast platform. Brought to you, as always, by our friends over at Vibe Health Bar. And with things kind of shutting down again, you can order your juices, your acai bowls, your superfood smoothies in advance. You can have them delivered through your favorite food delivery app. Uh, but continue to support our businesses. Continue to support small businesses. Continue to support local businesses. And we're going to continue to support our good friends over at Vibe Health Bar, especially when we're promoting good health, man. That's what Vibe Health Bar is all about. Appreciate you for being with us. Obviously, we're dropping this episode on a Saturday morning rather than a Friday night. I thought it would be silly to do a podcast, especially with Sacramento Kings basketball going on. So we thought, let's go ahead and get the first game in the books, and then we'll wake up on Saturday morning and talk a little bit about what we saw last night. There's some good and some bad for sure as it pertains to uh, the Kings and the Portland Trailblazers, as well as uh, one of the shining spots for the Trailblazers, unfortunately, was Harry Giles. And I think that's going to be a theme uh, throughout the season. I think that's going to be something that Kings fans are just going to be eaten up and you know, frustrated about. If Harry Giles is in a position where he has to uh, earn his minutes with the Portland Trailblazers, if Harry Giles is in a position here in this preseason where he has to you know, kind of earn his way into the lineup, I think he's going to do that. I think most of us here in Sacramento think that he's going to do that. And he had uh, 18 and 14 last night. I mean, he was just, he was phenomenal in the 25 minutes that he's played. I thought they had a lot of really high spots. And one of the things that I looked at at Portland in this off season, and I promise we won't spend a ton of time talking about the Portland trailblazers, but obviously Harry Giles is of interest of many people. But one of the things that I thought, about with the Trailblazers this offseason. I thought they had added some nice complimentary pieces. Harry certainly being one of them. I think the signing of uh, the or the re-signing of Carmelo Anthony is huge for them. And, you know, Zach Collins gets healthy, Rodney Hood healthy. Again, these these aren't game changers. These are uh, accentuating pieces. These are accent pieces to CJ McCollum, Dame Lillard, and Yusuf Nurchich. You get those guys uh, in a good place. Gary Trent Jr. was phenomenal in Orlando. Uh, he was very good uh, in the preseason game against the Kings as well. I think Portland is a potential top four team. You know, I can't decide. Like, I, I really look at the two L.A. teams. I, I kind of go straight to Portland, and then I can't decide. Like, I I don't know if I'm ready to put Phoenix in there yet. I love the offseason that Golden State had. You know, I, I just don't I, I don't maybe they're not a top four team, but I feel like they might be pretty damn close. And, you know, I, I thought with Clay Thompson, we're talking championship like we're, we're, we're talking about Lakers, Warriors, Clippers in that order for the Western Conference. Um, but I think they added enough pieces to be a, a key part. Now, this could be one of those situations where the Lakers number one seed and they're number one seed by far. And then you've got maybe two, three, and four kind of clustered up, or maybe you got two and three clustered up, and then you got four, five, six, seven, eight kind of clustered up, which is what we've seen uh, in many years over or, or over the last few years of, of Western Conference basketball. But Harry Giles really good last night, and it's going to be painful to watch. It's going to be frustrating to watch. I don't, you know, I obviously Monty McNair wanted to move in a different direction uh, when it came to. Uh, when it came to Harry Giles and the fact that he he signed for the minimum in Portland, uh, certainly, you know, something there. Just just frustrating. Uh, the whole situation is frustrating. He should have already been on the Kings books, but that's a that's a whole other story. It's going to be difficult to watch him because I think Kings fans were all 
we know what we're going to see with him. It's just, a, and, and I think what we saw last night, I think I, I don't even know if what we saw from Harry Giles against the Sacramento Kings, I don't know if that was even on the high end of what Harry can do in this league. Uh, 18 and 14, I mean, one of the best games probably of his career. Like that, all that's good. I think he could, I think he could be even better. I don't even think that, I, I don't think that was on the high end of what he could do. I think he, his ceiling is significantly higher than that. And his performance last night was very good. It's just a question of what is his role going to be with this team? How big of a role will it be? How long will that role be sustained? And what does that lead to next season? This is a career, this is potentially a career-defining year for, for Harry Giles. Now on to the current members of the Sacramento Kings. You know, uh, I, I was hoping, and, and remember, the, the Kings and the Trailblazers play again on Monday night. And there's still, you know, we're uh, like at the time I'm recording this, we're like 11 days away from the start of the season. And so, you know, there's three games in that 11 day span. So we're going to see, you know, I was hoping to see a lot of, you know, Robert Woodard last night. I was hoping to see, you know, Jamias Ramsey. We didn't really get to see those guys. Uh, we saw Halliburton run for about 20 minutes. Um, but I was, yeah, I wanted to see more Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker. <laughs> He, he was trying to make the most of his minutes while he was in there, but he was perhaps doing a little too much. He only played six minutes, and it felt like he tried to do a lot in that six minutes. He shot four times. He turned the ball over twice. Uh, just not the best uh, not the best outing from him. It looked like what Luke may have been trying to do is get some run for the guys who will ultimately be the starters. Obviously, Marvin Bagley not factored in. Uh, Belly. Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald. That's who started, and all of those guys played upwards of 20 minutes. Harrison Barnes played almost 30. And I feel like that was probably the game plan for Luke Walton. Go out there, uh, let, our, let, our, let, let, let the anchors of the team get some run. I doubt we're going to see anything remotely close to that minute total for those five guys that I just named on Monday. I don't know that we'll see. We may see a minute total for those guys like that maybe one other time in this preseason game. But again, the regular season starts against the Denver Nuggets. You know, I, 10, 10, 10, 11 days from now, 11 days from now. So don't expect, I, I mean, I wouldn't expect, I'm not expecting uh, big minute totals from those guys uh, again in the preseason. Certainly in the range of 15 to 20, maybe one more time they creep above 25. Maybe they have like, you know, in the, in the NFL, they use the line. It's the dress rehearsal game. The week three game is the dress rehearsal. Maybe they have one more of those with Bagley in the starting lineup, which Luke Walton said uh, Marvin Bagley and Harrison Barnes both expected back next week. I don't think they're going to play on Monday. That's an assumption on my part, a complete assumption. They haven't practiced yet, um, at least not five-on-five five practice. So I, I, I'm assuming that uh, neither one of them are going to uh, play in Monday's game, and then they'll be ready for the miniseries against the Golden State Warriors. Um, not a lot of good to take away from the game, to be honest with you, from the Sacramento Kings. Obviously, what's noticeable and what a lot of Kings fans are talking about is the the, the tempo, if you will, is back. Uh, they were absolutely trying to push the ball up the floor. The problem with that was a lot of time they were taking the ball out of the rim and pushing it up the floor. And it was because they weren't playing defense. Like the, the, 
not not a lot has changed, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like over the course of, you know, the offseason, this very, very truncated offseason, not a lot has changed, man. We're just we're just chucking along. We're moving forward. Uh, you know, I know we talked about systems and uh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And yeah, it, it all kind of feels the same. And it's a preseason game. You don't want to put too much stock into it, but you just got to. You got to look at your observations, right? What 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 do we observe coming out of out of out of game one of the preseason? Well, Portland pulled up it it, it, it it they were hitting open threes like like it was nothing, and they were doing that because it was nothing. The Kings weren't guarding the perimeter at all. Does this sound familiar? I feel like this is a a repeat episode of the Sacramento Kings post game podcast from last season. They weren't guarding the perimeter. So we saw those those same tendencies in Luke Walton and De'Aaron Fox and 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 guys who have been asked about it. They've all said, yeah, we're we're starting we're starting practices with defense. And it's like, all right, like that's a cool story. What are you getting out of it? You know, what do you what, what, what are you what are you getting out of starting starting practices uh on the defensive end or with defensive techniques or with defensive strategies? Because right now it doesn't feel like you're getting anything out of it at least after one game, because we're seeing the same frustrating mistakes that we saw last year. Um, again, taking the ball out of the rim, getting up the floor on the rare occasions that they were able to get a defensive stop. They pushed the ball. As a matter of fact, they shot, <laughs> they shot 53s last night. Now the concern was, is immediately going to be, Oh my gosh. So they were 16 of 15 for those who want the stat. That's 32%. Not particularly great. But they shot 53s, and, you know, with Monty McNair coming in as the general manager, that's immediately going to get the, oh, man, it's Daryl Morey ball. We don't have the horses to play Morey ball here in Sacramento. We don't have the shooters to play Morey ball here in Sacramento. Is that Monty McNair's influence? Is that what Monty McNair is trying to do? Are we trying to get the analytics thing where we just take more threes than everybody else and we, we try to beat them in that sense? For comparison purposes, I mentioned the Sacramento Kings shot 50 threes the Portland Trailblazers shot 34 now the problem with that is the Sacramento Kings made 16 out of their 50 the Portland Trailblazers made 17 out of their 34 they shot less and made more ah that's not Maury ball that's just bad basketball and I don't even know like I don't want to again it's 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 a one game trend it's all you got it's all we can look at so we got to overreact to it because it's, it's all we got until Monday. And you see that level of threes, you transition threes. Buddy shot 11, De'Aaron shot seven, and pretty much everybody who was in the game, they, they got a three up. Even Rashawn Holmes got a three up. Everybody who was out there uh, who played a few minutes, uh, they, they tried to get a three up. I mean, three of Jabari Parker's four shots were threes. By design, I don't know. Was that the flow of the offense? I don't know. Was that the game plan? I don't know. Some of them were open. I mean, actually, a lot of them were open. Um, I don't think they really took a ton of contested threes. I should look to see if I can try to find that exact number, how many contested threes that they took, but they were pushing. They were definitely pushing the tempo. The shots weren't falling for them. They were 36% from the field, uh, 32% from three, and... Uh, 
Another issue that has not been corrected, they were 16 of 22 from from the foul line. Now, that's not horrendous. We have seen far worse numbers. You know, for comp purposes, Portland Trailblazers, they shot the exact same number from the free throw line. But that's a, a, a frustration like Kings fans have long yearned. Can we get into the 80% range of, of free throws? Buddy, uh, excuse me, De'Aaron Fox, one of the biggest offenders. De'Aaron Fox, three of six from the foul line. De'Aaron becomes an 80% shooter. He increases his, he, he automatically increases his points per game total. He starts to get into that elite category. If he just shoots a better percentage from the foul line. And I know it's my partner, Kenny Carraway, we were talking about, uh, we, we did a little mini halftime show over on ESPN 1320's Instagram page, which is probably going to be a, a pretty regular trend over there. So if you're not following us yet on Instagram, please do ESPN 1320. Follow at DLo and KC as well. That's the handle for both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we do a lot of interactive stuff over there on social media. We're adding a Twitch channel here uh, in the upcoming days. We're gearing up for a really big opening day show where we're going six hours, kind of similar to what we did uh, for the NBA draft. Uh, we're doing uh, pre-shows, um, game nights, Monday through Friday. So we've got some really exciting stuff. We've got some really interactive stuff. Uh, we're going to be all over social media for King season. So, again, if you're not following us yet, uh, do it right now as you're listening to the podcast. Uh, at D-Lo and KC, at ESPN1320, both on Instagram and Twitter. Give us a follow there. And when our Twitch channel is up and running, I'll let you know. We have a at D-Lo and KC Twitch channel, but I think the one that we're really going to be using is the at ESPN1320 Twitter channel, or Twitch channel, excuse me. And that's going to be created. Uh, that's actually going to be created on Tuesday. Um, we're working with some corporate people at Twitch to get uh, a, a big launch going for us here in the coming weeks, hopefully by draft day. So just a couple of notes there. But we noted, uh, my partner Kenny Carraway noted on the uh, halftime show that we did on the Instagram page of ESPN 1320, it's it's maddening for a point guard to shoot, you know, like 68% from the, from the foul line. It's, it's, it's frustrating enough when players don't hit free throws, it's really frustrating when your point guard doesn't hit free throws. And that's, again, it's long been a case, uh, long been a case for, for De'Aaron. Um, I don't want to harp on the negatives too much, though I feel like that's exactly what I've done. So forgive me. But, we, you know, we got to point that stuff out. Uh, not a particularly strong outing from Daquan Jeffries. Again, I, I don't really know what to make of all of this stuff. All I'm thinking is, you know, worth relaying is one of the things that, you know, we were really looking forward to heading into this game was seeing some of those second-round picks run. Seeing Ramsey run, seeing Woodard run, seeing those guys get out there on the floor. And the guy I was looking forward to see. As a matter of fact, if you were ranking – uh, the three guys I wanted to see, obviously I wanted to see Bagley, but we've known all along that he wasn't going to play. It was Parker, Ramsey, and Woodard. Wanted to see all of those guys. I don't need to, I mean, I love to see De'Aaron. I love to see Rashawn Holmes. I love to see all of those guys. I know who and what they are. I'm not worried about them. I, I wanted to see, I wanted to see uh, those players I just named out there on the floor. And that wasn't really in, in the cards uh, for the first game. Hopefully it is for the second. And again, there's three games coming up before the start of the season on December 23rd. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we see uh, a lot more of those second-round picks, uh, probably a lot more of Justin James, Daquan Jeffries, those guys. And it's going to be fascinating. You know, you could look at the roster in front of us. I, I, I don't know that they've passed the 15-man roster yet. I think they have, but I'm not 100% certain that they have. Oh, here it is. It actually just came through right now. The NBA Competition Committee has unanimous, unanimously recommended to expand the active roster from 13 to 15. Perfect. 
Perfect timing, Shams. Appreciate it. Shams must have known we were talking about this right here. Is at the time I'm recording this, uh, that passes. So we've got a 15-man roster instead of a 13-man roster. Obviously, that's really important because of the COVID situation that we're in and because we really don't know what this NBA season is going to look like. We don't know what's going to constitute postponements. We don't know what's going to constitute cancellations. We don't know how the NBA is going to do close contact tracing. We learned a little bit more about how the NFL does close contact tracing after the Des Bryant fiasco on almost said Thursday. It wasn't Thursday. What was it? It was just Tuesday night football between the, the, the Cowboys and the Ravens. Des has the inconclusive test, which I guess in, in the NFL inconclusive is like, okay, well you're, you're good to go. And he's out there on the field. He's, he's greeting, you know, Cowboys. He's, he's going through his warmups. He gets pulled off the fields, a second COVID test that he tests positive for. They do his close contact tracing. The game is a cancel. No one else is pulled out of the game. And they deem that their close contact tracing is done by the um, proximity in which you are near somebody. Uh, your element, meaning are you inside or outside, and the length of time that you are around that person. Now, some medical professionals have told me that, that they do close contact tracing by a 15-minute increment as well, that if you're around someone for 15 minutes, that, that's immediately dumb, deemed a high-contact risk, uh, particularly if you're inside. But if you're in that 15-minute range, even if it's outside, you become a high-contact risk. So uh, we learned that that's how the NBA does this. Or excuse me, we learned that's how the NFL does this. This is the first time we've learned that. Week 14 this is the first time we learned that. By the way, Des Bryant has subsequently passed two COVID tests and still had to be put on the COVID reserve list. So that's, it's, you know, vaccines are being rolled out as soon as today. You know, the FDA approved uh, the Pfizer vaccine that we've heard so much about over the last month. That's That's getting rolled out. There have been discussions. You know, the NBA has been adamant, at least right now, they're not going to attempt to purchase vaccines. They're not going to attempt to take away from the higher risk uh, communities and the higher risk populations uh, that need the vaccine immediately. And there's also the, 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 the navigating of the vaccine itself, meaning not everybody is not everybody is all in on the idea of taking a vaccine that hasn't made the rounds yet. It's like buying, it's like, it's like the people who don't want to buy the new iPhone when it first comes out because there's, they know there's going to be software problems. Well, in the case of a vaccine, if those software, if there is a software problem, that, that is a health problem. That's a problem within the human body. And so there are people who are like, I don't really want the first round. But the NBA is also like, you know, if we get some of these guys to take this, the more guys that we get to take this, the better off. So this is a water, Adam Silver. These are waters that only Adam Silver is going to have to deal with. It's not something that, you, you know. The NFL, they're 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 in full on effort mode. They're just rolling along like they they're they're, they're getting through the season. They're not canceling a single thing. Uh, they're going to celebrate it, as you can see by that tweet. Adam Schefter's tweets, like Schefter has lost, like like Schefter has lost so much credibility to me. Not as a reporter. He's obviously a fantastic reporter. He's still connected, but he's a shill. Like, he's a water boy for the NFL, and it is maddening. Like, his tweet Friday. He tweeted on Friday, with uh, with the COVID-19 surge across the country, the NFL hadn't, didn't turn in a single positive this week. Like, dude, get out of here. 
NFL never turns in a positive on a Friday. Now watch what happens Monday. Let's see if Schefter tweets that again on Monday. I bet you he does not. Because all of the positive tests magically arrive on Monday. So back to the NBA. Um, they've got this 15-man roster, and you start to look at it, and you go like, okay, who's not going to make the cut? Because there's a lot of guys that we, they got to have Corey Joseph, right? Corey Joseph is a backup point guard. You, you, you've got to have him. You know you've got Whiteside. You know you've got Parker. You know you've got Glenn Robinson the third. So, you know, uh, throw that in with the five starters. You're up to nine. Marvin Bagley didn't play last night. You're up to ten. Now what are you going to do with Ramsey, Woodard, I, Halliburton? You know, Halliburton's got a spot. You know, so so this this roster starts to get this fill out. This, this 15-man roster starts to get filled out really quick. And then there's also, what is the G League? What is the G League this year? We have heard about the... You know the 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 idea for like a buy-in, like a like a five hundred thousand dollar buy-in where you're you're in a bubble, and it's like okay, like cool, but how does that work for two-way players? I mean, it's a far different. Like if there's a bubble in Florida, and Kyle Guy is there, and suddenly you know there's a a, a COVID hit or an injury hit to the Sacramento Kings, and they need Kyle back in Sacramento. It's a lot different going from, you know, I, I, I don't know, hypothetically, Orlando to Sacramento versus Stockton to Sacramento, where in Stockton's case, more than likely, the Stockton King is already here in Sacramento somewhere. Like, they're not living in Stockton. They practice in Sacramento at the old Arco Arena, at the old practice facility. They live in Sacramento. They go play games in Stockton. But now we're now we're now we're potentially in a bubble in another state. Like the bubbles that's certainly not going to be in California with the shape that California's in. Likely Florida, Arizona, something like that. Even if there's multiple regional, it's not going to be regional G League bubbles, but even if there's a bubble in Arizona, even if there's a bubble, it, I don't see how it works with two-way players. So you've got, you know, you've got that dynamic you've got to deal with. Cuz what if they designate Kyle Guy or someone else as a two-way player? Well, like what is Kyle Guy doing? Can they stay here and practice with the Kings? Are the Stockton Kings practicing? If so, what are they practicing for? Like, no one has any answers to this stuff. So it's, you know, it, 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 it's, it, there's a lot that the NBA, is, as good of a job as they've done, there are some things that they've got to work out over the course of the next couple of weeks before the start of the regular season, less than a couple of weeks now. We're talking December 22nd. As I'm recording this, it's December 12th. Obviously, the Kings season gets underway on December 23rd. So I harped a lot on the negative, and I'm sorry. Uh, again, it's one preseason game. Uh, it's frustrating because you see some of the same trends that you saw to end last season, and nobody wants to see that. Uh, but again, this is a, 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 a very shortened training camp. These guys have only been in camp since December 1st, and even at that, they've only been practicing since Sunday. And, you know, the week prior, they were testing, they were doing individuals, everybody was clearing protocol, doing all of that stuff. They started practicing. Their first practice was on Sunday. And so what we saw last night, uh, what we saw on Friday night was kind of the, what, three, four practices in the books? Because they couldn't practice when they got to Portland. They traveled Friday. I'm sure they practice here in Sacramento, but they, they, they traveled Friday 
and they have to go through COVID testing. When you're on the road now, that was another thing that was announced this week is these guys are going to be taking a lot of COVID tests you know, throughout the course of this NBA season. When you're on the road, you've got to take two. You've got to take the, the rapid response test, and you've got to take the, uh, the more accurate uh, test that, that, that takes about 24 hours. You got the, I think it's a 15-minute uh, return rate and then a 24-hour, less than 24-hour return rate. So when you're on the road, that's what you're going to be doing. When you're at home, I think you only have to take one test. So home teams have to take one test day of, and away teams have to take two. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a new dynamic. And Luke Walton, you know, kind of let us in on some of that stuff. Once they get there, they pretty much isolate. Once you get to a town, you, you go to your room. You go to your room because of the COVID protocols. If you guys have, if, if, if there are meetings to be had, the meetings are done through Zoom or, or whatever their preferred digital platform is. They're done virtually. Again, it kind of the new NBA that, that, that we're looking at. Some of the positives, um, well, pace. I mean, certainly pace is, is, is a positive. Um, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic. It, it, it is. I'm searching for other things to be happy about. The way Harrison Barnes played, I think, is, 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 is phenomenal. Uh, I think that's something to be excited about. Rashawn Holmes, very good news here. Rashawn Holmes is still Rashawn Holmes. Still very, very good. Still high energy. Still got that volume turned up to max every time he hits the floor. Love that. Positive. Uh, De'Aaron, wasn't, De'Aaron wasn't particularly great or anything resembling great. He had four turnovers in his 26 minutes. And like, I'm not focused. Like, I wouldn't worry about shooting. I wouldn't worry about shooting percentages. Hell, I, I, I'm frustrated with the free throws because I think that's more of a regular trend than, you know, three of 12 from the field or something like that. Um, turn the ball over again, whatever. Not really things I'm particularly concerned about, particularly when it comes to De'Aaron Fox. Um, I was good with Buddy, particularly in the first quarter. I thought Buddy was really good in the first quarter. I thought he was really good in the first half. Uh, as he got a little, oh, so, you know, some of those minutes at the start of the third quarter, uh, I think his shot got a little bit more freer. And that's, that's where he wound up with the, you know, 5 of 11 total. But overall, I'm good with the way Buddy played yesterday. He didn't uh, do much else other than score. But he's a scorer. <laughs> you know what I mean? He didn't turn the ball over. You want, you want positives, there's a positive. But he didn't turn the ball over. And with Buddy not turning the ball over, it means he didn't do too much. Corey Joseph, likely the second to De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I thought he played well in his minutes out there. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, you know, limited, liked it. Again, you 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 just kind of pick and choose. Not a lot from Daquan Jeffries. Not a lot from any of the second round guys. I thought Ramsey, you know, d- did w- what he could with his five minutes. Again, it's 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 five minutes. So what do you do with it? But overall, I mean, not the best. It, what it boils down to for the Kings is it just wasn't it wasn't a good shooting outing, and they weren't good defensively. They didn't turn the ball. They had seventeen turnovers. Obviously, that's not great. But Portland had 20. So it's not like they were annihilated in that category. Um, it was a bad shooting night for them. And we always look for the, the assist number. You want that assist number closer to 30? 
Their assist number last night was closer to 20. It was 24. Always want to be on the higher end of in, in the 20s. The closer they get to 30, the more likely they are to win. But the fact is the shots weren't falling for them last night. Other than that, I don't have a big complaint with what the Kings did. Shots didn't fall, and defense is still an issue. I didn't expect them to come in here and be the San Antonio Spurs. I didn't, come in, I didn't expect them to come in here and look like a bunch of you know, Bruce Bowens, if you will. Tyrese Halliburton looked good on defense. I mean, there, there, there's, you know, there's a note of, a, of, of his 20 minutes. You could see him. He is incredibly active on the defensive end. And it's almost jarring to see in a Kings uniform the way that he moves on the defensive end. He is everywhere, which is awesome. That's what you want. That's what we heard about him. That's what we heard about him at, at, at Iowa State. That, that was one of the reasons, if not the main reason. So many draft analysts thought, yeah, he's not going to be around at 12. He, he's he's going to go higher than 12. He's, he's likely going to go in the, in, in, in the top seven range, probably no further than eight. And, you know, that wound up not being the case. Good for the Kings. They got a defensive player. And one is great. I think Harrison Barnes can be a good defender. I'm still of the mindset that De'Aaron Fox can be a beast of a defender. It's just I don't know what it takes to I, – I, I, I don't know how you teach a team to play defense, especially when you have the same coach that you had last year. That's not a Luke Walton knock, by the way. I'm just saying I don't know how, how you teach a bunch of guys who are used to not playing defense. They didn't play defense with Dave Yeager either. I don't know how you ask these guys to – be defensive juggernauts all of a sudden, or not even defensive juggernauts. I don't know how you ask them to center their focus on a different side of the ball for the first time. For some of them, the first time in their career. Can it be done? Maybe. It's going to be a process. It's going to be a slow process. But other than that, I, I, I don't know. I don't think you can. Let it be a slow process. And I think Tyrese Halliburton is a good start because you often hear this time, you often hear this phrase, and I think Del Christie used to say it, um, energy, uh, uh, the movement can be contagious, energy can be contagious on the defensive end. If you see a guy working his ass off out there, you're going to work with him. If you see him making plays, leading to fast breaks, again, taking the ball out of the basket, trying to run up the floor, that's one thing. Taking the ball off of the rim and trying to run up the floor, that's an entirely different other. That's the one that leads to success. And that's actually what Luke Walton, I'm going to try to give him some credit here because that's what he was talking about last year. He was saying if we get, you know, people were talking about where's the pace, where's the pace, where's the pace. And he said repeatedly, we've got to get better on the defensive end because we want to take the ball off the rim and push. We don't want to take the ball out of the basket and push. If we can get better defensively, that's going to lead to a faster pace offense. There was a stretch where... Phoenix in the bubble. They were um, the most efficient team on offense. They were scoring the most points in the seeding games, in the restart, in the eight games in Orlando before the playoffs began. They were leading, you know, those, the, the, the restart, the reseeding games in, in offense and points per game and offensive efficiency, while also simultaneously leading the league in defensive efficiency. Monty Williams was able to implement and execute 
the strategy that Luke Walton was attempting to implement and execute at the beginning of last season. And he was never able to do it. Monty Williams was, and we saw that it worked. That's why so many people are high on Phoenix, and rightfully so. And now you got the acquisition of Chris Paul, who can help push that offensive uh, efficiency a little bit more, who can still be a, a, a defender. Like, I mean, he's, he, he's one of the best defending point guards. I think there's a rule in the NBA amongst point guards. Like, it's an unwritten rule. I feel like point guards all meet with each other and go, okay, we'll play defense when we have to. That's about it. Where Chris Paul has to play defense, he does. He's one of the best in the game. Always has been. That's, he's the perfect fit for Phoenix. But Monty Williams was able to do what Luke Walton so desperately wanted to do. Is it coaching? Is it the players? To use the Luke Walton uh, line from last week, is it buy-in? Because he talked about uh, after the first practice, he loved the energy he loved the, uh, the, the tempo, uh, and he loved the buy-in. Everybody was buying into what they were doing. Well, they've got to buy into that defensive end, and if they do, they'll be able to execute what Monty Williams was able to get the Phoenix Suns to execute in those eight seeding games in Orlando. Now, will Monty Williams be able to do it for, for a season? We're going to find out. More specifically, even with the acquisition of Chris Paul, are the Phoenix Suns players going to be able to execute for a full season? Again, we're all going to find out. A couple of other notes from last night. Uh, John Wall. John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins debuted with the Houston Rockets. Both look very good. All right, I hope DeMarcus is healthy. I hope he can stay healthy. He looked very good last night. 14 points in his 15 minutes of play uh, to go along with his five rebounds. He was efficient. He got to shoot threes. He was three or four from three. Uh, John Wall's back. He looked good as well. Um, he, I mean, these guys did a lot with their 19 minutes of play. Uh, good for them. Good for both of them. Two guys coming out of uh, brutal, you, you know, I don't want DeMarcus Cousins' injury wasn't brutal. He's just had a brutal stretch of injuries. And I'm happy that, you know, I'm happy he's back. He's got a shot here in, in Houston. I, I, I hope he's able to do well. Same with John Wall. I, I, you know, I, I didn't hate the, the John Wall-Russell Westbrook trade uh, because it sent Russell Westbrook to, to Washington or because it sent John Wall to Houston. I hated it because I feel like people diminish Russell Westbrook so much. And I've talked about that at length. I don't need to continue to talk about it. You're tired of hearing me talk about Russell Westbrook. I get that. But I'm happy for John Wall, and I really want John Wall to succeed. I questioned openly whether he was going to be able to come back from an Achilles injury. One preseason game doesn't lead me to believe he can, or he is, or he will, or he did. But one preseason game in, 19 minutes of basketball, live basketball on television, he looked really good. And so I'm rooting for his success. I'm rooting for the return of of the explosive John Wall. I'm rooting for the return of a top five MVP candidate, and I'm rooting for the turn, return of uh, an Olympic gold medalist in, in DeMarcus Cousins. So Houston looked pretty – Houston looked good. Those two guys in, in, in Houston Rockets uniforms with, with Steven Silas on the sideline, uh, obviously no James Harden, looked really good. Uh, what happens next for that team? We'll find out. Allegedly, Philadelphia is, is the leader in terms of – uh, teams uh, looking to acquire James Harden. Uh, James Harden has opened up his preferred destination list that includes, uh, originally it was Brooklyn, now that it includes Philly, 
Um, the Bucks, and I'm missing it. Miami. Heat, Bucks, Nets, and the 76ers. Uh, there was a report, I think it was from Mark Stein, said league sources think the, wind up, the, the destination that he winds up landing in is, is, is Philadelphia. And I'm fascinated by that. Daryl Morey has made it clear he has no interest in giving up on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, so Ben Simmons won't be a part of that deal. Joel Embiid won't be a part of that deal. And the belief is, always, well, you need shooters around uh, those two players, which is absolutely accurate, which is why the acquisition of Al Horford still remains so baffling. You had Jimmy Butler there. You had J.J. Redick there. I'm not equating those two players, but they were perfect for what you were trying to do in Philly. You didn't do all you could to keep Jimmy Butler. You didn't have the money to keep J.J. Redick because you went out and got Al freaking Horford. Still so confusing. So confusing. And I don't know that James Harden is the... I don't know. Maybe it works. I don't know what you have to give up to, to land James Harden. If you're, if you're Doc Rivers and, and Daryl Morey, but that rumor's out there. We'll see what happens. You know what else is out there is Be Heard merchandise. If you head over to thedopeones.com, you could get you a more than a podcast hoodie. Uh, you could get you some Deuce and Moe crewnecks, uh, some J Street Vibes t-shirts. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've got, we've got gear for all of our podcasts uh, available over on thedopeones.com. Uh, go check them out. Go check out what they're doing. And check out the Dope Ones podcast. Uh, Donnie and, and my partner Kenny Carraway did a fantastic interview where they touched on a number of things. Donnie's a really good uh, storyteller in his interviews. He's able to get a lot out of his subjects, a lot of different type of stuff. You know, Deuce and Mo uh, did a lengthy interview with Kenny Carraway recently as well. And they're just two completely different interviews because they're two completely different interview styles touching on very, very different topics. Um, so go check that out. That's part of the Be Heard podcast platform. Of course, if you're on Apple, search Be Heard. All of our podcasts will come up. If you're new to the podcast, God bless you, man. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking us out. Hope you're checking us out on ESPN 1320. Hope you downloaded the radio.com app and hope you've rated, reviewed, subscribed, and all that stuff. I'm committed to doing this podcast for you uh, each and every single weekend. I know it's not as... Um, I don't love having to do it on the weekend. I'd rather doing it. I'd rather do it during the weekday. It's just there's there is literally no time to do it on the weekday, other than you know when we're dropping them on Friday night. So one thing that I'm going to try to do is once we get that ESPN 1320 Twitch channel launched, I'm going to start doing the podcast live on Twitch and then sending it out here through our Be Heard podcast stream. So those are just a couple of things that are on the horizon. But again, head to thedopeones.com and grab you a more than a podcast hoodie, grab you a more than a podcast t-shirt. Check out the rest of the gear for the Be Heard podcast platform. I hope you'll check out the uh, rest of the Be Heard podcast as well. If you want to donate to Be Heard as the end of the year is coming up, uh, if you want to help out some aspiring broadcasters, if you want to help out uh, the youth in our community who is looking to get into media and looking to develop their voice both in uh, activism and in social media and different things like that, uh, you could check out the Patreon account, which is linked here uh, in the podcast as well. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, have a fantastic rest of your weekend, assuming, of course, that you're listening to this on the weekend. Uh, and we'll be back next week here on the podcast with Amy Barling.